Hello, welcome to Gaia Gossip. How are you today, Hayisla? I am doing well. It's finally not negative 800 million degrees. <laughs> I hear you. You know what? I just got back from Finland a um, little bit more than a week ago, and uh, it was on average, well, I got to figure this out because it was, you know, from Celsius to Fahrenheit. So on average, Celsius about minus 15. But the day I left, it dropped down to minus 43. So That's I feel like cool. <laughs> now that I'm in Amsterdam, right? It's an absolute heat wave here. Although we did get snow, which was very unusual. We got snow for two days in a row out here. Typically mm -hmm. snow in Amsterdam is one flake. And then another meter, there's another flake. And that's about mm -hmm. it. But within about a half hour's time, we had sunshine, fairly decent temperature, then hail, then we went into snow and it came down heavy. And then the sun came back out again. I almost felt like I was back in Colorado, actually. Oh my gosh, yes. No, Colorado has every season every day. That's an yep. exaggeration, much like negative 800 million degrees. Uh, <laughs> But it's something we need to start getting used to, right? With everything that's going on on the planet, with all the changes with the climate, these are things that are common right now. Yeah, and it's having, you know, there's the discomfort piece. It's also having some other very devastating impacts, which is why you do the work you do, and we all support you in it. And, um, oh, you started Hermony Voices recently, uh, we have a celebration of your anniversary. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Let people know yes. what's, what's coming up? Because I'm pretty excited about that. I am pretty excited about it, too. You know, I feel like this is kind of like when you have a child and you blink and then suddenly they're taller than you, you know. And I so I can't believe it. But we're coming up on 15 years. March 2nd, which is a Saturday, I believe, this year. We're, we're going to be mm -hmm. celebrating 15 years. And um, thank you to you and to our wonderful marketing person, Victoria. We're going to be um, having a beautiful gala in uh, Boulder, Colorado on that day. Yeah, it's going to be so special, I think, to be able to celebrate with people and to, to really honor all the work that you've done over this last 15 years. It And... Uh, You'll be there, right? Or are we celebrating you in effigy? <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> I will be awesome. there. Awesome. Okay. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, this year, so this is very cool because I'll be in New York prior to, to the date. And um, I'm bringing mom. Oh, so wow. My 98, almost 98-year-old mother, she'll be celebrating 98 in March, uh, will be joining us for that event. So I'm very That's exciting. Yeah, it is. exciting. And she knows how to dance, guys. Like that woman like, can go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She put us all to shame. Yeah. But and I have mom to thank for a lot of what I've done in the world. Right. I started out in the music industry. Um, Morris, as a matter of fact, and I went, we'll be talking to Morris in a little bit. Morris has been in the music industry and um, and I was the same for many years, uh, particularly in Colorado. And I have mom to thank for that. My mother is a classical uh, vocalist. And, um, and so she encouraged me in a number of ways. And that was one. So she never said to me, oh, sweetheart, what are you thinking? Get a real job. You know, she was always very encouraging about that. 
And after so many years, most of my adult career being in the music industry, I found myself doing a whole lot of benefit concerts. And so I thought, well, why not marry the artistic with the humanitarian side? And Her Many Voices was birthed out of that. And when we first started, we were strictly artists responding to humanitarian need, mostly musicians. Um, mm-hmm. And then we, we branched out from there. And as you know, we've got artivists and we've got global communities who members who are working with us today. Um, so I'm very grateful for I'm grateful for the impact my mother has had in my life. Um, she also made it very clear to me. We have a core value at Her Many Voices of whatever I do for another, I do for myself. And that was my mother. She instilled that in me. She also made it very clear that whatever you do to another, you do to yourself, Alicia. So keep that in mind in all things. Um, So thank you, Mom. And um, I'm very grateful that she's going to be joining us for for the gala. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and And I'm looking forward to seeing all of your faces, too. And if you want to join us, uh, the tickets are available on our website. And the other thing that I think is really interesting is the very first activity that you did was in Haiti. And you just recently were telling me about a new mobile clinic that you have set up in Haiti. So you're still very active. Can you share a little bit about what's going on now with the community that you were participating in? Absolutely. So many of you probably know that in 2010, Haiti had a massive earthquake, hundreds of thousands of lives lost. Um, Port-au-Prince was completely devastated. And so we started doing work there. I actually was introduced to our new board chair, Tamara Kantav. She'll be stepping in, uh, replacing Vanessa Jamison in that role. Um, Tammy is Haitian. She's Haitian Taino. And so we were introduced. Uh, We started, uh, we met and moments later, uh, literally within weeks of meeting, I met her in Haiti. And Mm -hmm. we've been attached at the hip ever since. Um, one of the things that I that we did was, the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to talk to the women about what is it, how can we support you? And, um, and they did say, well, first we want, we want education for our children to start. And, um, and then other things rippled after that. You know, there was basically education for them. There were trainings for them. And some of those trainings were around agriculture. Some of it was around, I want to start my own business and that sort of thing. But we've had that presence since 2010. And um, thank you to Tamara Kantav and uh, the work that we've done together. Shortly after, we founded a school in Thrushushu. It's called um, St. Alphonse de Cadet. And we also Mm -hmm. partnered with with Jane Wynn and the Wind Farm Ecological Reserve in Kenskov, Haiti. Because of those two connections and two communities, we started branching out into community. And, mm-hmm. um, and we have built toilets. As a matter of fact, we are either rebuilding now some of the toilets that we've done in the past, as well as we're building new. But one of the requests from the women in Trushashu was to bring a mobile clinic in, particularly for the students of that community. Mm-hmm. So... That's what's happening now. You know, we've done things in the past, especially over COVID. We, we made sure we had medical teams that came in. We had trainings on everything from hand washing to whatever you need to do around COVID. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but well, since then, they've dealt with things like um, like cholera, malaria, those yeah. sort of things. So at any rate, I'm excited about that. We also have uh, other things that are happening in Haiti. But Well, and I, I've always really appreciated that the way that you have started all of your projects is by connecting with community first and understanding how they determine what their priorities are. I feel like there are a lot of people out there who will take on, I have the right idea. And it's not that we can't bring in information or resources or other ways of thinking, but showing a respect for the community and their own self-determination feels like a really powerful way to engage. And it's one of the reasons I really love the work that Harmony Voices is doing. It feels more aligned in that way. And, uh, but I know uh, Morris is close by. We want to talk to him, but you had mentioned that you talked to uh, Hannah uh, about some hemp developments. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share that quickly before uh, we get into our conversation with Morris. Well, first of all, Hannah Gabrielva is, um, I think, one of the female leads in the hemp industry. I think Morris will probably back me up on that. Um, she helps support getting the, um, there's an actual book on uh, sustainability development goals for the UN focused around cannabis um, and she's in, um, in the Czech Republic, she's in Prague and, um, she's got, well, there'll be a, uh, conference happening. I believe Morris said it was going to be in June in Prague. Um, but Hannah has really been on the ground and fighting the good fight. For those of you who are not aware, the industry has been struggling and it's been struggling a great deal because of ignorance and greed. And when I say that, cannabis was wiped out in the US in particular, basically in 1937, when Harry Engslinger, who was in charge of the uh, Drug Enforcement Agency said, hey, listen, you know, when our white women partake in this. They listen to jazz music and run away with uh, with black men. When black men use cannabis, they think they're as good as white men. When derelict Mexicans use it, he went down the list. And um, so it was all about propaganda. And the American public, they drank the Kool-Aid. And um, this was then transferred over into this big drug. And by 1973, good old Richard Nixon, um, he created this, uh, this, this act, right? Then they created a, this is, cannabis is now in um, with heroin and, and those kind of drugs, right? Scheduled mm -hmm. drugs. None of it is true, but that's what was created. Mm -hmm. And because of the industry and still the ignorance around it, it has done a roller coaster ride. Even in separating hemp from marijuana, it's a roller coaster ride. People still do not understand the value of a plant that has been used for thousands and thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Hannah is fighting the good fight and she is educating people across the planet and working tirelessly to make sure we have this knowledge and laws are passed so it can be returned into community, put back into the hands of the people. We have the ability to do everything from feeding to medicine, to homes, to clothing and beyond. So um, I, I can sit here on a soapbox all day long. Um, 
all day long, and especially when I'm talking about Hannah, because mm-hmm. I absolutely love this woman. Um, but I think it's it's probably a good segue to get Morris on here, um, and he can even talk more about Hannah, and we can si- sing her praises a little bit more. <laughs> hey there. Hey, Morris. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, it's good to see your face. Hey, hey, Myrna, it's good to see yours as well. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Guy Gossip. We are just, for those of you who don't know, we're trying a brand new platform here. So um, things look very differently on the screen today. Anyway, it's good to see your faces. Morris, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming today. Um, I know you've been out there hustling like crazy. And I want to thank you personally for, for keeping, keeping your focus, keeping hemp on the, on the radar, keeping it moving, not only in the U.S., not only in Colorado, but the U.S. and beyond. And, um, and I have to say, you've been a tremendous inspiration for myself and for her many voices. So I want to thank you for that. Um, we, we've been expanding our work. And, um, and I have you to thank for a lot of that. You, you may not know that at all. <laughs> well, thank you, Alicia. Um, and I can say back to you that you've been an inspiration to me and a lot of the folks that I work with currently, and you mentioned Hannah, you know, she is a hustler, a go-getter. She's been in the hemp and Canada space way longer than I have. And it's folks like that that, that help drive me to do what I do. And things have not been easy. You know, since the pandemic, it's, you know, everything got turned upside down again. And one might wonder if a lot of this might not have been done by design. So, and that in itself would be an exceptionally long episode of us going back and forth to discussing how things rolled out with that and, and where they've taken us to this point and where they might want to take us in the future. But the good thing is, is there's, Lots of folks like us around the world that are communicating and that have woken up and are banding together to to do what's right here on the planet. I think there's more of us than there are of them. Well, I know there's a lot more of us than there are of them. There's a, a small group. The Anslingers of today <laughs> are still around. There's no question about it, but yes. thank you for the, all you're doing and the message that you bring to audiences on a regular basis. And, you know, well beyond hemp, there's there's more to it than just hemp and cannabis, obviously. Um, we got a lot of work ahead of us. We do have a lot of work ahead of us. And um, yes, to what you were speaking about, that would take an entire series, a, a <laughs> documentary series, as opposed to this one hour program. But right. having said that, I'm going to leave it to you and Myrna for a while. I'm going to step away and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this segment. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you in March when you're out here. Me too. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Morris, what a privilege to be able to talk to you and pick your brain and update everyone on what's happening in the world. Um, You are the president of We Are For Better Alternatives. So the acronym is W-A-F-B-A. I've been dying to know, is there a way you say that, like WEFBA or something? WAFBA. (laughs) 
Great, WAFPA, WAFPA, awesome. We are WAFPA, you're WAFPA too, because we are all for better alternatives. And we know there's a lot better alternatives out there than uh, what we're currently being spoon-fed by you know, governments around the world and the media around the world and so forth. Absolutely, I agree with you. Um, please introduce yourself. I know you and Alicia kind of dove in a little bit, which is awesome, but let's back up a little bit and, and please introduce yourself. So my name is Morris Beagle. I am the president and co-founder of WAFPA, um, and now the sole owner. And WAFPA is an umbrella of organizations. Uh, we do a lot of events. We produce NOCO Hemp Expo, Southern Hemp Expo. We've done several shows in Hawaii. We've done roughly around 50 conferences and shows since 2014, I would say. Also got a media platform within there called Let's Talk Hemp, and that's at letstalkhemp.com. Uh, hemp paper company, Tree Free Hemp Paper and Printing. That's at treefreehemp.com. A hemp guitar company, make hemp body guitars and guitar cabinets and amplifiers. And uh, like Alicia said, that you know, I come from the music business. She comes from, from the music business. Her daughter, uh, Melissa Ivy, I've known for a long time. I think that's how we had originally met. And Melissa is a powerhouse. Uh, she's always been a powerhouse. I met her when she was, I don't know what she was, like 16, 17 years old. And she was just uh, a force of nature when I met her. And and I haven't had a chance to really talk to her much in the last five or 10 years, but I'm Certainly. sure she's... Yeah. Certainly still is, yes. And we did an interview with her uh, last year here on this show. And so she was obviously uh, provided good guidance when she was in her formative years. So I know who that's attributable to. <laughs> <laughs> right, at least. Yep. And so just to, you know, because people love this stuff, you're a musician as well. Are you a guitar player? Like, what's the angle there? <laughs> yeah, I'm a guitar player. Uh, my brother is like a world-class guitar player, both electric and acoustic. So, you know, I consider myself a bit more of a hobbyist. I like to sit around and jam on Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin riffs and stuff like that. But and my brother is a smoking guitar player, and I've got to fortunately work with amazing musicians across the spectrum from rock and blues and jazz and world music and so forth. So I feel quite privileged as to my musical background and my upbringing. I have a couple of older brothers who got me into prog rock, and my dad was into jazz, like Dave Brubeck and Oscar Peterson and a lot of really cool stuff from the 40s and 50s. So I've yeah. been what I consider pretty well educated across the spectrum when it comes to, to good musicianship. That's amazing. And so I love how you turned this, you're merging the hemp activism with making hemp guitars. Can we talk about that first before we kind of sure. transition into some other stuff? I think it's really fascinating. Is that what one of the, thing, one of the things you did? Do you kind of merge these two passions? Yeah, so there was a good, there was a company in Canada called Canadian Hemp Guitars that started in 2013. And so when I started Colorado Hemp Company hat here, which is a hemp hat by the way, in 2012, I started working really on the industrial side with apparel and textiles, bags and shoes. Um, I was kind of I considered myself like the Al Bundy of hemp shoes. I was out there trying to schlep hemp shoes from a company called Wicked Hemp Footwear. Um, but this led to finding out everybody that was kind of doing something in the hemp space. And there was a small little company in Canada called Canadian Hemp Guitars that had started making one-off boutique guitars. And I reached out to them 
and got a prototype for the first NOCO Hemp Expo and the second NOCO Hemp Expo. And then I asked them to start making me uh, some private label guitars, which they made me a few of them. And then they made me some ukuleles. And then unfortunately, being a super small operation, they kind of ran out of resources. And I pivoted to a group out of out of Atlanta that was building cabinets for a lot of jam band guitar player type guys, Jimmy Herring from Widespread Panic and Derek Trucks and and a lot of super cool jam bandy guitar players. And they started uh, building me some guitar cabinets and then they said, hey, we can build hemp guitars for you. And I got them some hemp materials, hemp wood from the hemp wood company, which is at hempwood.com. And another friend of mine, Larry Serbin from Hemp Traders, had made a hemp composite board called Canagrove that we utilized in both the cabinets and the guitars. And so I was pretty gung-ho about this up until the pandemic. It was more of a passion project for me. And I had some extra funds to utilize because the event side of the business for me was doing well. And things changed a little bit come 2020 and the pandemic put some of the cool projects I was doing on hold and that being one of them. But I've still got hemp guitars. I bring them out to the show. Uh, and it's funny, there's a, a group out of South Dakota, which is the leading hemp state in the country right now, which is pretty funny. But I'm going to be getting them a hemp guitar next week for a legislative meeting because I sent them one before to to showcase and they loved it at the legislature it's like wow you could build guitars out of this crop this is amazing and oh that's great that's great to know they're leading as well um can people custom order guitars I just want to ask that yep at silvermountainhemp.com great 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 um Okay, and you're really a huge entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur and an activist. You also have a paper company. So being in the media my entire career, including a print publisher for 20 years, I'm fascinated that you have this hemp paper company. And we did in the past interview, uh, Marin Krings about her book, H is for Hemp, yeah. um, which was another fantastic interview and activist in your field. Um, so can you share a little bit about the paper company before we kind of switch gears into maybe we might dive into some more intense stuff here in a minute? <laughs> sure. Well, thumbs up to Marin because she spent a ton of time and labor working on that book, which is the coolest hemp printed thing that's been done in the hundred years or, or probably ever actually. So thumbs up to Marin and all the work that she's done. I started Tree Free Hemp in 2013. Coming from the music industry, I did a lot of printing for merchandise and CD and DVD manufacturing packaging and, and posters and marketing collateral. And I found a hemp paper that was out there on the market. And so I started buying that paper and printing business cards and flyers and so forth. And since then, there's a few more folks that are making hemp paper. Hemp was the very first material that was utilized making paper in China back a couple thousand years ago. Um, before that, there was parchment paper, but the actual first paper was really made out of hemp. And a lot of paper was made out of hemp up until the beginning of the 20th century and things started to change. Wood started to be used and the things just started to change and hemp as a material became pushed aside for a variety of different reasons, which we don't have enough time to get into all of those. Yeah, I mean, okay, so... How are you getting any traction with, I'm sure you're doing this, are you getting any traction with promoting hemp for paper 
within the climate change movement because then they wouldn't be using trees, right? This 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 climate change is, is really important. As we all know, we've been talking about it for decades. And then also it's happened, I think, very, very recently is in the last four years, three or four years, things have really ramped up with global attention on climate change and how important it is. Um, you know, within the UN with this SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals and all the efforts going toward those. So are you getting any traction with that angle? Yeah, to some degree. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the talk from the UN, who is supportive of hemp, they came out with a paper, I think it was back in, uh, maybe it was November of 2022. There's like a 93-page paper, and you can Google UN hemp, and there, there's a downloadable document. They talk about how it can be incorporated into the climate smart commodity type program and, and all Great. that stuff. So again, I think, and I think that paper companies and paper mills, and they are open to it. The matter is cost at this point in time and the scale, because we don't have a lot of acreage here on the planet, all across the planet. And to be able to replace that current input is going to take millions and millions of acres as it is with construction materials uh, composites for building automobiles and so forth so there's a lot of things that have to change in the regards of the scale of the hemp industry and in producing material to be able to really put a dent in some of these industries that hemp really applies itself to so, um, but there is interest in it. There's a hemp company or a paper company called Cottrell Paper out of New York, and they've been working on 100% hemp paper for the last several years and have pretty much perfected it. And they're going to be at NOCO Hemp Expo this year, and they've been there before. And uh, they're one of the pioneers. Mohawk Paper, who's been around for 100 years, is also incorporating hemp. But again, it's, a, it's an expensive replacement input at this point. So that's one of the the things that are hesitant with people making the conversion. So they, people realize that there, there needs to be a change. Uh, again, it's cost of materials at this point. And frankly, the hemp industry needs to be subsidized to some degree, like the timber industry and the oil industry and the corn industry and the soy industry and the dairy industry and the meat industry and all these other industries who've taken you know, money from the government to help them establish their industry, we need that same type of support. Yeah, you know, it's hard to compete. I'm a farmer's daughter and I'm well aware of all those uh, ag subsidies for all different things um, over the many, always, always, right? Right. And um, boy, that sounds like that could be a stretch to, to, to get that kind of support. I guess it depends, right? Anything can happen. <laughs> well, it's, it's gonna take a while. I'm in it for the long haul. As I like to say, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's my purpose here on the planet is to continue to fight this fight. And, and I know there's a lot of others that are there with me arm in arm. And so we're, we'll just continue to do what we do. And however long it takes, it takes. Hopefully it's sooner than later. But, again, we'll just have to see what the timeline looks like. And just to clarify, for my own understanding, too, um, the reason it's so expensive is, well, it's, it's all the transition that would be needed, right? To, to make paper out of hemp would require so many transitions, um, and it's really all of that that's expensive. Yeah, and, if, we can, if we can provide materials at a similar cost where the companies don't have to make a lot of 
changes as far as the equipment that they're using. If it's a plug and play, same thing with bioplastics or biofuels or construction materials or whatever you're going to produce in mass scale. If we can provide materials that are really a replacement material rather than you got to buy all this new expensive equipment to, to process it or manufacture it, then and that's that's really what we're working on now is how do we create these materials that fit the spec of whatever industry they're going to go into or whatever product they're going to go into and again we're we're a little ways off but the conversations are happening and there is government support for this both on in the United States Republicans and Democrats agree on a lot of this and as we know they don't agree on a lot of things uh, but they pretty much agree on hemp but they don't agree on cannabis overall which Hemp is cannabis, marijuana is cannabis, it's all cannabis, it's all one plant, it's got you know, thousands of different expressions and lanes and so forth, but how can we take these industrial applications that can really make a positive change on our climate and our environment and get them into the marketplace? Again, it's going to take government support. There's been some, there needs to be a lot more. So you're also a lobbyist. Well, I guess in a way, but there's lobbyists out there and I certainly express my views and I have them at my events. And I think that I'm a good kind of mediator in getting different sites together and trying to come up with a common vision and a common message. You know, we need to have a united voice and we haven't had that in our industry. And we're really working on it, trying to get people to align on the messaging and, and not fight within the within the industry with the fiber people, not like in the, the cannabinoid people and the grain people and the animal feed people. It's like, it's all, we're all one big family. We're all on the same boat. We're paddling in different directions. We need to paddle in the same direction to, to get to the promised land. And to this point, we just haven't done a very good job of that, but we're working on it. And I'm trying to get people to, to listen and talk to each other and not get mad at each other and have an open mind. And I think we're making some progress. There's still progress to be made though. Well, it's a really compl complex issue, isn't it? Because you've got federal laws around CBD, you've got state laws, which are different from federal laws often. You have different policies for different things. And so um, I, can you share a little bit about what the 2018 Farm Bill stated? And then let's talk about that. Well, in a nutshell, the 2018 Farm Bill legalized industrial hemp on the federal level, and it legalized all cannabinoids, all constituents of the plant, all derivatives. So what this really did is it opened up the fire hose of everything that you can produce with hemp is legal. Um, some of it may be great, but we always said that, that hemp doesn't get you high, but in the derivative market, when you take a molecule that's out of this plant, you can convert it into another molecule that might do something different. And that's what's happened with, with the, the excess of CBD that happened in 2019. And all of a sudden there's all this excess. And so the lab people like figured out that you can take that CBD molecule and you convert it into Delta molecules like Delta eight or Delta nine or Delta 10. And, and some of these things that get you high and it's like, Hey, here's a new marketplace and we can get rid of all this ex excess biomass. And there's really nothing that states otherwise in the farm bill that says that you cannot do this. Some people say that's a loophole and they're all mad about it because, hey, we've always said, preached that hemp doesn't get you high and there was never any intention of this. And 
whether that's true or not, the bottom line is, is what the language says in the law. And so I might not agree with it. And there's people that might not agree with it. But again, that's what the law says. Here's where we're at. You can't stop innovation. And now that it's out there, you can't put the cat back in the bag. So we need to regulate it. We need to make sure that consumers are safe. They know what they're getting. The FDA has to step up and do their job as an agency that really is the agency that oversees all of these products that go into the marketplace, whether they're safe or not. And they've just they've done an incredibly poor job. And because of that, it's left investors on the sideline, big retailers, big brands, because the FDA has just not done their job. And so we're trying to force the FDA's hand to do their job, because once these CBD and cannabinoids and the intoxicants get regulated, it's going to help out the fiber and grain side of things. And it's, it's, it's just going to help everything out. We're going to have a clear idea of where all of these different areas of the plant are going to be regulated. And I can tell you that... On the, on the industrial side, people wanting to be in, in the fiber and the grain market, which is not intoxicating, it's health and wellness. These farmers don't want to grow the crop because of what they've seen in the past and because of the regulatory hurdles and the, the, the issues they have to go through with background checks and costs for testing and all this type of stuff. And I don't blame them. If I was them, I'd rather grow corn or soy or something else where there's a guarantee. But we need to get rid of all that red tape and bureaucracy, and and we're working on it. There's you know, a lot of groups working on that, and I think that we're going to make progress on this upcoming farm bill that hopefully happens in 2024 and yeah. doesn't get kicked to 2025. Were they initially trying to keep the laws separate for industrial hemp as a plant and as a, you know, a material for making things versus the, you know, the CBD that um, that people are are using for medicinal marijuana and that kind of thing? Were they trying to keep them separate? But then, as you said, this passed in 2018 and there was sort of a loophole. Well, I think everything really got thrown into one bucket as as hemp and that it, it separated it from the marijuana side because it's 0.3% Delta 9 THC. And so anything above that is considered marijuana, which that percentage itself is just a made up percentage from some guy in Canada back in the mid 70s. I think his name was Ernie Smalls. And he himself says that that percentage means nothing. And so one of the things is we're going to raise it up to 1%. You can smoke 1% hemp and not get high from it. Now, if you convert it into Delta 8 or Delta 9 and some of these other things, then you, you can. But all that said, um, there are two buckets, but there needs to be multiple buckets. The fiber and the grain side need to be, uh, there's a term that's called fit for purpose. So if you're growing it for fiber or you're growing it for grain or fiber and grain, uh, you do visual inspections, you're using uh, cultivars that are certified and you know that they're not going to go over any specific THC limit. And they're going to, you're not going to have the expense regular corn farmers, soy farmers, any of these folks could grow it. And it's not going to be a burden to get into the marketplace. And you'll hopefully be able to make more money per acre than you would growing some of these other crops. And you can rotate them with these other crops. That we want, that's what we want to see is big corn farmers and soy farmers and wheat farmers rotating this crop in with their crops and not having to go through background checks and all expensive testing and just growing it like another crop. And that's the way it should be. That's where we're going to get to at some point when we get rid of a lot of this chaotic bureaucracy that just does not need to exist. Yeah, that really, I think, illustrates how complicated this issue is from a policy standpoint. 
Um, so is that one of the things, the things you're hoping for with the new farm bill, which may be passed this year and it may not? Um, there has not been any new legislation since 2018. So now hopefully coming up will be an opportunity to really make some changes. Is that one of the things you're hoping for? Yeah, there's a, a working group of us. There's 33 organizations that have signed on to seven bullet point priorities for the farm bill that encompasses key things for regulating CBD, for providing uh, a lot of regulatory relief for farmers just wanting to grow the fiber and grain. It, kind of, it separates those out for this fit for purpose type thing, or there's a standalone uh, bill out there, the Industrial Hemp Act of 2023, that lays all this stuff out that we're all supportive of. And if these points would get included in the farm bill and the FDA would do their job from a regulatory body, I would say that that's going to kickstart this industry back and bring it back in full force like it was before the farm bill or before the pandemic, um, with the exception of it, now it's gonna be really driven by the fiber and grain market. Cannabinoids can go out and do their thing, whether that's in the supplement and health and wellness market, or whether it's in the intoxicants market. Um, and then there's the potential of rescheduling marijuana from a schedule one to a schedule three, which has got a lot of varying opinions on does the pharmaceutical industry take over at that point and what does it do to the medical and recreational programs in various states uh, a lot of different opinions on that and again this is where it becomes so complicated because of all the various different roads that you can go down with what can happen from a government standpoint it's well, it's going to be an interesting next several years. That's all I can say. You know what? Uh, we had just had a question come in. Let's go ahead and uh, mention it. Someone is asking, they said, I've heard horror stories of farmers being arrested and having their fields burned. Is that actually happening? And how often? Well, it has happened. And I don't know if it's happened recently. But if your crop went over 0.3%, let's say it's 0.5%, then... The, the law was fairly clear that you can't put that into commerce. Now, you could use it for research and stuff on the farm, but a lot of it just ended up getting burnt. And so we're taking a crop that's got 0.5% THC that's not even going to be utilized for that, and you're destroying it. And the, the farmer has to eat all that. I mean, it's absolutely asinine these type of regulations. I can't even believe that we're, we have this type of stuff here in, you know, 2020, 2024, whatever we've got, whatever year it is. It's like, you know, I would yeah. think that humanity would have evolved further than where we have now, but there's certain, there's certain factions and unfortunately Republicans, you're part of that and not all Republicans, but you know, if you're, we're talking freedom, and conservationism and what the founding fathers created here in the United States based on those principles, how they would ever forbid this plant that all of our founders grew. I mean, they all they all were involved in this market. Hemp was a huge thing back in the 1700s and the 1800s. And here we are, and it's all politics, it's all greed. You know, Alicia said this in, in the get-go. It's like, this comes down to greed. This is industry interest it's big oil it's pharmaceuticals it's big food it's all stuff that has or doesn't have the best interest 
of the general population, period. There's no question about that. It's all about money. It's not about health and wellness. It's not about well-being for, for we the people at all. None of it. None of those organizations, the big oil, the big tech, not big tech, but big ag and those companies, they don't want this to come into play because they lose money. Well, they can participate too, and they're looking at it, but it's, and they will be involved once once they're in a position where they're going to want to own it. So again, we'll see how that all works out too. I think that we're just in need of a huge paradigm shift as a planet, as humanity to, to look at things differently. And, and all of us need to take the power from that small group, that 1% or whatever that percentage is of them. Sometimes it seems like organizations are successful in breaking that barrier, which is a very difficult barrier to break. I'm, I'm very well aware, especially with such huge lobbies for big oil and big ag and all these organizations. The barrier can be broken, it seems like, by making a crack, right? A crack somewhere, and then and then things can get started. And that's possibly already happened, um, you know, with you. If, if Is there a way, did, have you seen that happen? Is there been a crack that's getting through? Um, and my again, I go back to climate change, right? Changing the, you know, and how powerful hemp is for addressing climate change in many different ways. Is that possibly a crack, or has there been a different kind of, progress that we could call a crack into that no i think there's a crack and i think you see that with the united nations showing support for it um i think you see that with the who showing support for cbd and that it's um that there's very little adverse reaction and they think that it's a safe compound and i think that you see that with the regenerative agriculture movement where they're starting to make a lot of inroads and a lot of noise and we know that we need to grow regeneratively to sequester carbon to rebuild our ecosystems and hemp fits really well into that whole regenerative model and so when you see kind of the hemp industry and the regenerative farming industry and some of these other natural holistic approaches starting to work together and if they're you know and synergistically together i think that will create a bigger crack and so how do we create this huge crack that will sink the ship that's keeping all of us oppressed that's what we're working on we need to we need to crack the bow of the ship and sink that thing I love it. I love it. It's so, so well put. That's really, really amazing. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it's, it's, it's the right direction. It's where we need to go. Um, it's the benefits are so incredible for um, not just for the climate, of course, but for humanity, right? Um, they really are. Yeah. Um, here is a question. What benefits to the land does hemp farming hold and how will that support sustainability? And we've talked about this a tiny bit with regenerative agriculture. Can you go into that a little bit more? And then I can't wait to talk about NOCO as well. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, you started this Northern Colorado, it, it, and now it's global, right? Your conference is a global conference um, about, about advocating for hemp. And this year it's in Estes Park, April 11th to the 13th. Let's share the link for the NOCO event and share a little bit about that. Yeah, so we're actually going into our 10th year 
it would be our 11th year if we didn't have 2020, the year that was not. But we're excited. So we've been, we started in Northern Colorado. We ended up in Denver. Then we went to Southern Colorado last year. And so NOCO went to SoCo and now NOCO is back to NOCO. Moving to Estes Park, they wanted us there for since 2018. Beautiful city. We've got a cool little venue. And I'm really excited for the industry to, to come together there. We've got four conferences, uh, including the Innovate Hemp, uh, Innovate Earth, Innovate Earth Symposium, right? um, which is a new addition to the to the expo this year, where we're kind of casting a wider net to bring in other natural based materials from bamboo and mushrooms and flax and other sustainable materials that um, can work synergistically with a lot of other things, uh, including hemp. Um, healthy food systems, climate tech. And so just, again, casting a little bit wider net because the whole goal of NOCO was to to have a positive impact on the planet and humanity and, you know, all that exists with a healthy, holistic world. And, and we're just going to continue that mission and broaden that mission and bring more and more folks together. That's amazing. Um, I, I work with a nonprofit Nature Preserve in Panama, and they build with bamboo. And I've always thought it has to be a complementary building material for these same reasons. Um, and so I might have to go to your Innovate Earth Symposium as part of NOCO. And if you and know any companies that would like to participate, again, we're not just solely about hemp. We're about all things that can make the world better. That's awesome. That's great. Um, good to hear. Um, should we go back to that question now real quick? Um, would that work? Um, what benefits to the land does hemp farming hold and how will that support sustainability? Again, we talked about the regen piece a little bit and sustainability, but I, but yeah, what, what are the benefits to the land itself? Well, hemp sequesters as much or more carbon, I think, than any other kind of commercial crop that's out there. It helps uh, replenish the soil with nutrients and, and biodiversity, and it's a good rotational crop. And if you're growing corn and soy and some of these other kind of monocrop things that, that deplete the soil, hemp is one of these crops that can really help clean up the soil and make it healthy again. And again, it sequesters a lot of carbon. We need to take carbon out of the atmosphere and put it back down into the, into the soil and it's one of the solutions. It's certainly not the only solution out there, but I think it's it's one that's going to to help the soil and help the land and help regenerate our ecosystems. Yeah, that's that's great. That's it's it's so important. Um, we have about ten minutes. We have exactly ten minutes left, um, and would love to bring Alicia Fall back in. Um, I do want to ask before then, Morris, are you coming to our fifteenth anniversary event? Absolutely. March 2nd, we'd love to have you there, obviously. And I think it, there could be a lot of people in this community who would love to meet you and talk to you more about your work at that event. Um, that would be amazing. Um, Alicia, will you join us? Hey, guys. Yes. Hey yes. Morris, I, I'm looking forward to seeing your face. Uh, actually, being able to give you a big old hug. There we go. You're, you see my face now, but this is not <laughs> Are you in Amsterdam it's now? It's one of those kind of things. So. Are you in Amsterdam or the Netherlands right now? I am. So I, 
do have my Amsterdam hard rock shirt on. Ah, okay. <laughs> I wore that specifically Thank for this you. today. Thank you for representing. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I am not up in the Rocky Mountain National Park right now, my background, but uh, our show is like 10 minutes from here. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful area up in Estes, as you well know, and we're just really excited to have that show up there. Yeah, you know, I am so disappointed on a personal note. Um, for those of you who were not aware, we, NOCO was set for their dates in March, and then things had to be shifted to April. And, um, and so it's been shifted at a time where I have now gone to Colorado and then returned to Amsterdam. So uh, I'm, I'm crying deeply inside, but, you know, her many voices will represent there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could you share a little bit, Alicia, about your experiences with NOCO in the past? I know you've been a speaker. I know you've been to a lot of these events. Yeah. Um, Morris has been kind enough to, to invite me not only to speak, but also to MC panels for the indigenous community. Um, and then we were, thank you, Morris, we were the sponsor for Diversify Hemp, um, which had predominantly indigenous peoples who were coming. Uh, but certainly a mixed bag of people that would show up in that particular room. So we had that responsibility. And then Her Many Voices always has a booth. Um, and I do have to say, we do well at your booths, Morris. We have done very well at your booths. Yes. So um, I'm anticipating we'll be doing the same this year. I'm going to have to send Aisla, um, if, you're, if you're listening back there, I'm going to be sending you um, I think Tammy, Tamar Kantav is going to be coming. Tammy is now our uh, uh, new, coming into the position of our new board president. Uh, and who knows, maybe we can have our marketing person, Victoria, show up as well. Me, me too. <laughs> and you too. Okay. <laughs> Everybody needs to go. Who can? Everybody should go. Absolutely. Whether you're in the hemp industry or not, I would highly recommend going because it is educational. It's eye-opening. You're gonna, your mind gets to be blown, and you have all sorts of other events that have gone in the past. Tommy Nuhulu, um, who's Hawaiian Asian artist, who's been, you know, he does his pono art for for Noko and um, Morris. I don't know if you're aware, but Tommy's on our board. Tommy is awesome. Tommy, so, Tommy, will, Tommy will be there again this year. He's excited that it's coming up to Estes Park, and we're actually expanding the art side of things. So we're we've got two different buildings for the for the expo side. One's going to be just the Estes Park Events Complex, where a lot of the booths were going to be, and then there's a pavilion where the Innovate Earth Symposium and Art Pavilion will be. And so we're going to have lots of artists there. We might even have a a golf simulator from the cannabis golf league and it's going to be really fun and that's where the stage is going to be and uh building materials and it, and a lot of indigenous folks um, i've got the lower sioux tribe who built six houses last year they're going to be one of the supporting sponsors of it and they've got like 62 houses on track for i don't know the next three to five years and those guys are kicking ass up in Minnesota. And what's great is the natives are really showing what can be done. And they've got they've got less restrictions to do some of the things that um, that a lot of us want to do. And 
So I think that our indigenous representation this year is going to be more than it ever has been. And I'm super excited to see that. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Tribes from everywhere, you're all invited because we're all one tribe of the earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's awesome. You were speaking about Tommy. Um, I'll just share. He's also going to be at the anniversary event on March 2nd uh, doing a live. He's going to do a live painting, Alicia? Yes, he is. Tommy is uh, Tommy's rocking it for us. He joined us for the Nature uh, Children in Nature Network. Um, he did live painting there, and so he's going to be doing the same thing for our March second gala. Um, yeah, yeah. Great. He's uh, he's got a good heart. He's got my heart. That's for sure. <laughs> we are family. Yes. Um, uh, speaking to family, um, one of the other things, Morris, you might not be aware of, is that her many voices and I have um, have gone into business with Ed Larberger and Pure Hemp Technologies. Oh, great. Uh, I want to do the sexy work of making hemp toilet paper. And so um, this is something. <laughs> that's, that's some sexy work there because that's, that's a long road right there. Ed's, I'm sure Ed's told you because he's been working on that toilet paper side for a long time trying to get Georgia Pacific or Kimberly Clark or any of these huge companies to pay attention so we can move the needle there. But yeah, good luck well, with that. Yeah, thank you. Mohawk Paper Company actually um, jumped on. So good. Things are moving. Things good. Are move there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure that Ed will be there for NOCO again this year. Of course. Maybe he can talk about that a little bit, too. Yeah, well, Ed's a staple. He's he'll be there every year. Yeah, I think Ed's been in the industry something like 28, 29 years. Yeah, well, he has pure vision before pure hemp, and right. they've been working on alternative feedstocks with his biorefinery technology. And I was just at Rutgers University last week talking uh, at a fiber symposium, and I got to talk about decortication equipment, and I brought Ed's biorefinery up in his CCR, you know, biorefinery technology and how it kind of works. And I gave Ed his plug, which I try to do every time I talk when I'm talking about industrial hemp. So Ed's good, always, always Ed's always at top of mind. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, and pure hemp. They are definitely someone to plug as often as possible. Yeah. Um, and by the way, with our CBD products, with the we do a coconut oil um, CBD as well as something called a Vitality Elixir, uh, which is a mix of CBD as well as lion's mane mushroom, turmeric, and a couple of other things. And um, and I really had elders in mind for that particular product. Anyone can use it, but it, the focus was for elders. Um, and I have Ed to thank because Pure Hemp is the one who's uh, putting that together for us to help us roll that out. Um, yeah, so so our products have expanded this year. Well, it's good to see the combination of CBD and functional mushrooms and other compounds of turmeric and stuff like that. I think we're just on the the beginning stages of where all these formulations can go and and how they can help our body and, and so forth. Morris, um, we just have a couple minutes. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about real quick before we go? Mm, I don't know. Did, did, did we miss anything from our little you know, our warm-up call that we did the other day? I don't think so. But Alicia, anything else as well? 
I think we pretty much covered it. You know, of course, after at the end of this, you know, three o'clock in the morning, I'll go, ah. <laughs> oh, one thing, uh, you mentioned Prague. So we're doing an event in Prague on June 5th through the 7th. It's the 21st AHA conference, which is the European Industrial Hemp Association. I have taken over the organization of that event. And then we're adding an Experience Hemp Prague exposition, which I'm bringing kind of that exposition side of it and organizing the event. And then the AHA folks will do the programming for the conference. But really looking forward to developing this relationship. Europe has been driving the hemp fiber com conversation and industrial hemp conversation for 20 years and a lot of great folks over there. Like you mentioned, Hannah, who's a total rock star. Um, and there's some other rock stars over there in Europe who are super awesome people as well. And and Prague's going to be great. One of my favorite cities in in Europe, Prague and Barcelona and Amsterdam. It's a beautiful city. Um, we had the we were fortunate enough. We had uh, an Amsterdam um, hemp conference uh, a few months ago here, and uh, Steve Allen actually facilitated that. And then our group, we all went to Prague like three days after the hemp conference for the for the conference out in Prague. And it was oh, that little check hub thing or the hemp hub. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So whole lot more happening. You know, we're going through a roller coaster ride for this industry, but there's a lot happening. And like you said, Morris, there there are a lot of um, there are a lot more people like us as opposed to those who are being resistant. There are a lot more people who are giving and full of heart as opposed to those who are the in that greed and holding back. So um, I have hope. I have hope, too. Yeah. Absolutely. We've come a long way, too, right? We have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you, Morris and Alicia, so much for joining us for Gaia Gossip. This was a wonderful chat. Thank you so, so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you all.